Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Science of Success with your host, Matt Bonner. Welcome to the Science of Success. I'm your host, Matt Bodner. I'm an entrepreneur and investor in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm obsessed with the mindset of success and the psychology of performance. I've read hundreds of books, conducted countless hours of research and study, and I'm going to take you on a journey into the human mind and what makes peak performers tick. With a focus on always having our discussions rooted in psychological research and scientific fact, not opinion. In this episode, we go deep into limiting beliefs. Look at how random childhood experiences can shape your worldview for decades. Discuss how your outer world is created by your inner world. Examine how to reverse engineer bad behavior and much more with our special guest, Catherine Plano. Because the science of success has spread across the globe with more than 460,000 downloads, listeners in over 100 countries hitting number one new and noteworthy and more, I'm giving away something awesome to my listeners every single month. This month, I'm giving away another $100 Amazon gift card to one lucky listener. All you have to do to be entered to win is to text the word SMARTER, that's S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222. Again, just text the word SMARTER to 44222 to be entered to win. Or if you don't want to do that, or if you're an international listener, you can just go to our website, scienceofsuccess.co, that's scienceofsuccess.co, sign up for our email list, and you will be entered into the drawing. And if you want to win 10, yes, 10 extra entries into the giveaway, all you have to do is leave a positive review on iTunes and email me a screenshot of that review to matt at scienceofsuccess.co. That's M-A-T-T at scienceofsuccess.co. In our last episode, which was one of my favorite interviews we've done so far, we went deep on mastering the superpower that underpins all other powers, how your brain's automatic survival mechanism tilts you toward unhappiness, 
how to grow the mental resources to deal with the biggest challenges of your life, and we went down the rabbit hole of exploring the ideas of the self, the ego, and much more with our guest, Dr. Rick Hansen. If you want to understand how to hardwire your brain for happiness, listen to that episode. Today, we have another great guest on the show, Catherine Plano. Catherine is the founder of the I Am Woman Project and an international executive coach with more than two decades of experience working with top companies, having impacted more than 100,000 lives, and whose mission is to aid companies and individuals in becoming aware of their limitless potential and in using their extraordinary abilities to achieve their desired outcomes. Catherine is also a certified life coach and a certified master practitioner of NLP. Catherine focuses on changing lives daily through her coaching and motivational speaking. Catherine, welcome to the Science of Success. Thank you very much. Thank you for a great introduction. Thank you, Matt. Well, we're super excited to have you on here today. I'm super excited. That's awesome. And, uh, and you're, you're coming in all the way from uh, Australia. Is that right? That's correct. In Melbourne. Great. Um, well, to get started, kind of tell me a little bit about your background and sort of share your story uh, with our listeners. Sure. I um, my, my background goes way, way back, maybe about 25, 30 years ago. I really got into the whole spiritual side of things, the energy. I was doing a lot of that kind of work, which back then, say 25 years ago, was probably looked upon as a bit woo-woo. Um, but, you know, uh, what I did, I actually used to uh, have my own um, center. And um, what had happened is I had a, an epiphany one day was, you know, all these people coming in and, you know, very dependent on me. And I was thinking, this is not how you empower people. People have those abilities and those resources themselves. I just need to show them how they can tap into that. So that's when everything changed for me. Um, I got into coaching, neurolinguistics, neuroscience and brain science and hence why I am here today to um, help people, empower them and transform them. That's fascinating. Um, So I'd love to kind of dive right into some of the meat Tell me about the concept, and we've talked a little bit about this in previous episodes of the podcast, but tell me a little bit about the concept of limiting beliefs, you know, kind of what they are, how to identify them, and, uh, and maybe even digging into how to combat them. Oh, I love this one. Limiting beliefs. I think uh, limiting beliefs, we all have them. And, uh, and because they're unconscious, uh, sometimes they're hard to identify because we leave them out and we play them out every single day. You know, 95% of the time we play them out. And so for an example, a limiting belief might be, and this comes up a lot in my clients, is the value of money, for example. So if you grew up, and I know with my family, we, uh, I was born in France, we came to Australia, so a family in a new country, uh, didn't know how to speak the language, uh, you know, obviously money, all of that stuff. So, you know, we saw our parents argue over money and uh, and I'm sure lots of people see their parents uh, argue over money. So, you know, as we grow up and we see this happen in our environment and we see that it causes conflict um, or it could be as simple as, you know, um, your parent might say, you know, money doesn't grow on trees or this is too expensive. Why do you have to buy this brand? So we start having these beliefs that money is, you know, creates arguments or money creates conflict. So as you can see, these are learned behaviors. They're not really our own beliefs. It's 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 the meaning we have given a situation uh, without really understanding it. And so how this plays out when we get older is, for example, this is one of mine that I had to hack into, was that I believed that I had to work really hard to make money because that's how I saw my parents. They worked really hard to make money. 
and you know you're working like crazy hours and still chasing a tail or it could be as simple when you do have money coming your way you give it away because you in your unconscious mind you believe that money creates arguments or conflict so I don't want any part of that so you know and you find that quite often people will say you know I work really hard and what is it I'm not making the money and so we deep dive into those uh, limiting beliefs and how we find them at it could be as simple as you know I ask them like what beliefs do you see in yourself that come from your parents for example or what beliefs do you see in yourself that come from an authority figure And this is a great way because we are, you know, can't blame our parents. They did the best they could with the information they had at the time. But there is this thing called parent programming. And, you know, and even I know when I was growing up, it's, you know, I used to say, there is no way I'm anything like my mum. And uh, over Christmas, I just spent, you know, almost three weeks away with my mum. I am so much like my mum. So limiting beliefs come from our past. I think you said something really, really important, which is the idea that sort of simple, innocuous things that happen almost in the background of our childhoods can plant these seeds that can dramatically change uh, huge portions of our lives. Absolutely. And, you know, and I think too, it's, it's a matter of, you know, being more conscious in our uh, our mind and be the observer of our thought, you know. And when I get this belief, it might be a silly belief, I just go, where does this belief come from? And, and what does it really mean? Like just by probing myself with a couple of questions, I'm actually activating the prefrontal cortex, which is that thinking part of the brain. And if you want to create change, this is what you need to do all the time, which takes practice. I'm nowhere near have perfected it, but I am still practicing it daily. And that's so funny because, you know, I'm somebody that I, I've been kind of Uh, digging into the concept and trying to understand how to uncover and remove limiting beliefs for a number of years. And uh, I still, to this day, I have a list of probably 20 or 30 limiting beliefs that I've uncovered in the last, you know, let's call it two or three months that I'm still working through. And so it's, at least for me personally, it's been a journey where you never really uh, find or remove all of them, but you just have to constantly kind of cultivate the awareness of, you know, what's that thought that just crept into my mind and Hey, that, you know, that seems like a limiting belief and that could be something that's holding me back or preventing me from achieving what I want to achieve. Absolutely. Cause sometimes they do, they have a consequences. Certain limiting beliefs do carry consequences. If I hang on to this belief for as long as I live, uh, what are the consequences? Just even asking that question, you know, and I think that too, it's, you know, I, I call it diffuse my my beliefs. When they come up, I'm looking at it. I exhaust myself by saying, what else could it mean? What else could this mean? What else could this mean? Until I run out of different meanings and it removes the boundaries of a limiting belief as well by just finding different meanings to it. So would you say the sort of asking again and again, what could this mean? Is that a method for diffusing limiting beliefs or is that a method for kind of breaking them down? I think both. I think that unpacking it, so what else could this mean, is you're unpacking your limiting belief, you're bringing light to it, and I think then you'll actually break it down because then you'll realize how, A, it's not yours, it may be a really silly one, And it could be something that happened a long time ago that you gave it a particular meaning that serves you no purpose any longer. I think that's a really important distinction is that it's not yours, right? It's something that came from the environment. It's something that came from maybe a parent or uh, somebody that you looked up to or even a time before you can even remember. And it was planted in there by potentially sort of a random occurrence in your life. 
Absolutely. And I call them learned memories. They pop up every now and then. Yes, when there's little triggers or a stimulus in our environment that triggers us back to that memory, that's when it comes up. That's a great phrase. Uh, and, and it's funny, kind of circling back to the the idea of specifically limiting beliefs around money. Uh, we had uh, Vishen Lakiani on the podcast previously, uh, who's sort of a teacher of meditation and an entrepreneur. And uh, he tells a story about how he struggled for years to make money with his company and found out he had this sort of core limiting belief about teaching people that you always had to struggle as a teacher financially. And when he finally uncovered that, his company radically transformed within 18 months. It's amazing, isn't it? And that's the same with me, that realization that I had to work hard to make money. As soon as, and it was a matter of tweaking the word, it was just working smarter. And it just changed. Just the fact that I said, I've got to work smarter to make my money, not harder. Everything started changing. I, I, I New ideas came into mind, you know, and I became more savvy with the things that I was doing and I pulled everything online and, you know, it just changed everything. And so when you're talking about limiting beliefs, you know, you, you mentioned kind of the idea of uh, parental programming. What are some of the other sources of limiting beliefs or some of the other ways that limiting beliefs can kind of seep into your mind? Oh, God, it could be some so many things from uh, some of your experiences. It could be as we were growing up, there's we all go through a development phase. And the first phase is the imprinting phase right up to the age of seven. So anything that happened in your environment then, whether it was something you saw on TV, a book you read, stuff that happened at school, stuff that friends said to you, whatever that may be, it could be you're just downloading that information into your mind. It's like downloading software into the computer. And then when you move into another phase from the age of 7 to uh, 14, this is called your modelling phase. And this is where we try to identify who am I and we seek externally of ourselves as to who do we aspire to be. So, we, you know, this is the time when we start, I don't know, back in my days, Duran Duran was quite big, you know, with the big funky hairdos and the frilly shirts. And, you know, it's really about who do I want to be and who do I aspire to be? And then it's it's those people around you that have um, an impact in some way, shape or form. So these beliefs not just come from your parents, they come from our environment. They come from people that you looked up to or you aspired to be. It, it, they come from, it could be a, a TV show or a superhero that you were in love with at the age of 10. These beliefs come from all over the place, very much from environment. So to make this kind of concrete and to and to drill this home for people that are listening and and I think this is really important because it's easy to talk about limiting beliefs in the abstract. But would you say that it's a fair statement that every person listening to this episode right now has multiple limiting beliefs that they have yet to discover that if they were to uncover them could have a, a radical impact on their lives? Absolutely. Absolutely. And from an energy perspective, I look at it this way. As soon as you get to the source of your limiting belief, it's almost like, I don't know if you've ever heard of Gestalt theory, but if you have a look at, um, you know, a pearl necklace, for example, and if you go back to that core or that root cause of that limiting belief and you, with your adult eyes or, or with your understanding of and all the knowledge you have today, when you go back to that that core belief, and you actually give it a different meaning. It's like almost like pulling that bead away and all you're allowing all of these pearls to just fall apart. So, and it's like a domino effect. As soon as it's like you, you, you take that limiting, you pluck it out 
of your timeline or of your of your memory because we all have memories and they're all they're all in a timeline format it just changes everything it changes how you not just think but how you behave and how you act uh, that makes me think of two things. One, the, on, on the subject of memory, we've actually done a previous episode all about kind of digging into memory and what it means and what memories are. And one of the things we talked about is the idea that your memories can literally be false. And, and every single time you drag a memory back up, every single time you think about something, you're reconstructing that memory and putting it back and you're changing it and tweaking it and modifying it to where literally what you remember. And we read from a study where a number of neuroscientists literally say point blank that what you remember could be completely false about something that's happened in your life. So true. Very true. Because it's, it's you know, you have all this knowledge now. So for me, if I was to go back to a time when I was seven, when I first came to Australia, I have fond memories of what that was like. Uh, but obviously, every time I go back to that memory, I might add more color. I might add more story to it. I might add more feeling to it. It, it, it can change it completely. And and you hear this, you know, and I hear this even amongst my friends and, and my partner and so forth. You know, you might hear a story over, a, you know, over a dinner with your friends, for example, and it just always changes slightly. Have you ever experienced that? Like the story just uh, yeah, definitely. gets better and more funnier and, you know, it's that's what a memory is. You know, people just add to it all the time. And so when you're trying to connect with the actual root cause of that memory, it's altered so many times, depending on how many times you've plucked it out and revisited that memory. And and touching back on one of the things you, you said a moment ago, the idea of kind of the pearls falling off of the string, the analogy that I've always loved is the, and I love analogies about kind of water and how water flow and energy flow and all of that relates, but the idea of water flowing through a hose. And basically, if you imagine a limiting belief is basically a kink in or a bend in the hose. And every time you, you know, if you have multiple bends, every time you make break one bend, the water flow gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And so if you take more and more of these kinks out, take more and more of these bends out of the hose, the energy flow gets more concentrated, more focused, and gets even stronger every time. Oh, I love your analogy. That's perfect. That's a perfect way of saying it because, you know, limiting beliefs are like little blocks and they, they sometimes stop us doing the very thing we want to do. So it's perfect what you're saying because it's, it's exactly what you're saying, the kink in the hose or the block. You know, as soon as you remove those, everything just flows smoothly and it's really funny even even kind of uh tangentially related if for example if your environment is really messy and you you know you just spend a little bit of time cleaning up your environment those little tiny things can snowball into more and more kind of a positive focus and positive energy throughout your day yeah i agree i'm, I'm like that with um Everything around me, whether it's, you know, my wardrobe or my office, you know, it has to, I know a little bit about feng shui, but I just intuitively, it has to feel right for my work to flow through. And when it's not, I just, I might, you know, uh, stand up and, you know, tidy things up again. And just the fact that I've done that, I feel like I've cleansed my space I'm, and I'm ready to work with it. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. So shifting gears a little bit, uh, I'd love to talk about the concept of visualization and how you can use visualization to achieve your goals and how you've used visualization in the past and some of the work that you've done. I'm big on visualization. And I think if you look at how we speak and if we were to speak the language of the unconscious mind, which is 95% who we are, uh, it speaks the language of pictures. And so visualization, it's, you know, it's very much tied in with the vision boards as well. You know, when you're creating goals, I always encourage the people I work with to actually create a vision board. And it might be just a simple vision board, but just so that they see it. But it's not just about seeing it. You have to have emotion attached to it. So visualization, there's a, you can, you've actually got to be associated in your visualization because the mind cannot tell the difference between what is real and what is not real. And so if you can actually see yourself as if in that moment, then your mind will believe it. And if you keep practicing it over and over again, you will create it or manifest it. And there's this great book. It's called The Super Mental Training Book. And there's lots of stories and there are hundreds of stories in there about, you know, different people using the technique of visualization. So it talks about there's a gentleman who was in jail for many years and he visualized playing golf and he got out of prison and was a professional. Uh, There's another story in there where there's um, uh, these Russian um, athletes and it was during the Winter Olympics in something like 1986 and they did an experiment with visualization and they separated their athletes into four groups and the first group had to train physically 100% the second group had to train physically 80% and visualize 20% the third group was 50% physical and 50% uh, visualization and the last group had to visualize 80% but 20% physical and who do you think did the best the group that visualized the most that's correct yep the group that visualized the most. So it just explains to us that, A, we're tapping into that deeper part of our mind. And if we practice visualization, uh, and it could be as simple as working on a goal, uh, you know, and I do this a lot with people with public speaking, you know, visualize yourself standing there on the stage, visualize the people in front of you, have and really you know, get involved in your emotion, how you feeling, you know, all of that stuff really build it. Um, it's almost like visualization is like starting with a blank canvas uh, and then you're painting it, adding color to it, you're adding sound to it, you're adding feelings to it to make it come to life. 
And I think a really key point that you made is is that you have to anchor the emotion to what you're visualizing. Absolutely. The feeling is the, the I always say the feeling or the emotion is the fuel to your thought. So if you want to create a strong visualization and you need to give it that drive to, so that to, to make it to manifest, you need to add as much emotion as possible. So for somebody who's listening now, how could they sort of as a simple first step start practicing some form of visualization? I think the best way is to understand first what you want to visualize. So plan first. Exactly what is it that I want to visualize? And it could be as simple as, you know, you might aspire to be a certain way. It could be, uh, you know, public speaking is another one. It could be that you want to achieve a great relationship, for example. And so as long as you know what it is that you want to visualize or uh, manifest, that's the first thing, plan it. Then what I would ask you to do is obviously what kind of picture do you want to, you know, so what kind of emotions do you want to bring out in this visualization? So for example, you know, if it was uh, public speaking, it'd obviously be confidence. And if it was to do with bringing or manifesting a relationship, it would be love, you know, so really one strong emotion and focus on that. And you can sack on other emotions. And then what I would do is then start your visualization. You're very clear about what you want to do. And you know why you want to do it. And then the how is you're painting your picture. So I would then spend my time almost visualizing uh, my picture. So I would visualize, for example, public speaking, I would visualize the room. I would visualize the audience. I would visualize what the stage would look like. I would visualize myself walking onto the stage. I would stand there and listen to what's going on around me. What do I see? What do I feel? Really connect with it. And then what I would do is I would be associated. I would be as if I am looking through my own eyes and I would stack those emotions on. You know, I'm feeling confident. I'm feeling proud. I'm feeling happy. I feel inspired. You know, just keep feeling those. And then once, you've, once you're done with your visualisation, move away, disassociate it from yourself and, you know, I even like to, uh, you know, if I like to add a bit, a bit of a specific time to when I want to achieve my visualization. So, for example, if I want to say I want to uh, be in a relationship in six months time, so I would have a date. What I would do is once I've created this massive visualization, I almost, when I stand away, I actually have it in a, um, you know, you can visualize whatever you like, but I like to visualize it as in sitting this visualization in my balloon, going forward in time to that date. And the balloon pops and drops into that time. And so what I do is every time I keep doing that, I'm reinforcing my visualization, but also I'm giving it a specific time to when I want it to manifest. And so for somebody that Maybe, and I mean, I've, I've done a lot of work on positive visualization and sometimes I feel like I struggle with really making the images feel real or being able to tap into them or kind of feel them fully. What's a way to kind of break through that? Or if you're struggling with visualizing the image, what, what would you recommend doing? I have had some people say, well, I can't visualize. I mean, I believe, this is my belief, that everyone can visualize. And I think that if you're saying I can't visualize, you're just not allowing that to flow through. So then I say, 
find some pictures on the internet that are inspiring for you to manifest whatever that may be. So if if it's public speaking, find someone that you uh, really look up to, what is it that you want to create? So create like a mini vision board so that when you are actually physically manifesting your visualization, and then what I would do is have it, you're sitting in front of it, and then I would look at it, stare into it, and you can connect with it that way once again. You can, what am I hearing? Close your eyes as if now. What am I seeing? What am I feeling? All of that stuff. So you can do it that way as well if you feel you can't paint that visualization in your mind. Got it. So another concept I wanted to talk about is the, is, is the notion of the outer world versus the inner world. And that's something I've heard you talk about before. Can you share that idea? Yeah, I do. I, I always talk about it. It's, uh, it's, I always say that you know, our outer world is a reflection of our inner world. And it's, it's the way that we perceive things, for example. So, you know, if I hear people saying they're not happy with their work environment, they're not happy with their environment, you know, their relationship, they're not happy with blah, 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 whatever that may be, then that gives me a hint there's something going on inside of them. So, you know, our outer world is a reflection of what's going on inside. So if we want to change our environment, then we need to change inside. And inside meaning our inner world, how we're thinking, how we're seeing things. What are our perceptions? What are we projecting with our perceptions? What are interpretations of the environment? So it's to me, we are, everything around us, we reflect because of what's going on in our inner world. That's fascinating. Can you, can you give me maybe an example of, uh, from kind of some of the people you've worked with or, or uh, some things that you've experienced of how you've kind of seen that take place? You might say, and, and I, I actually have had this actually happen, I was brought in there was uh, as a mediator for two women, two executives, and um, they were at heads with one another and neither of them were going to leave because both of them had a really good job, cushy job, great money, um, and they loved their job, just couldn't stand one another. So really the thing that was going on is one, imp- one particular lady that I worked with, it's, you know, I said to her, look, all I'm asking you to do is find one positive thing towards this person. And she's like, no, there's no way I can find anything positive about this person. And this took us about three weeks. And then so I said, okay, let's nip this in the butt and let's really chunk this all the way up. Let's have a look. You're both women. Yes. You're both mothers. Yes. Now let's have a look at that. When you're at home with your children, how do you behave? Are you in the same person as you are at work? She goes, oh, no, of course not. No, when I'm at home, I'm on the ground with my children. I'm playing, uh, you know, with their toys. I spend some quality time with them before they have dinner and go to bed. And I said, do you think there's a possibility that this lady does the same thing in her own environment? She went, oh, yes. I said, okay, just focus on that. That one thing, just focus on that one thing that she is a mother. So... For her, unconsciously, she was seeing this woman as being whatever that label she wants to call it, and therefore she was behaving that way and was getting those results. The moment she changed the way she was seeing this woman and started seeing this woman as a mother, nine days later, I got a phone call. She said, you know what? She's actually really good with numbers. So basically what was starting to happen, and this is why I say shifts do happen, it's a shift of mindset. She started seeing uh, this woman in a positive light. And therefore, what was happening is she was behaving differently because she was seeing her in a different light and getting those results. They are now really good friends. 
So that's an example of what, um, you know, the whole uh, outer world, inner world stuff. So she changed her inner world, the way she was seeing or thinking about this person, and therefore changed her outer world. So in many ways, our, our thoughts and our beliefs are self-fulfilling prophecies in the sense that the way we feel or react to someone can actually be sort of creating the exact kind of belief or feeling that we have about them. Absolutely. We are the creator of our environment. We are the creator of our domain. And I know sometimes it's really hard for people to, you know, accept that because it's like, no way, I haven't created this bad relationship. No way I haven't created this horrible boss. It's if, if you want to believe that, that's fine. Everyone can believe whatever they want to believe. But I believe that I do create these things. And, you know, when things happen in my environment, it is so much more empowering for me to go, how did I create this and how did I manifest this rather than blame? That way I know I can work with it. I think that's so important to take responsibility for your environment and the world around you as opposed Absolutely. to just being a victim. Absolutely. Accountability is, is key. Absolutely. Uh, another thing that I've heard you talk about that I really enjoyed was the idea of, and this ties into what we've been talking about, but the idea of reverse engineering bad behavior. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. So we are not our behavior. And I love this one because, uh, you know, quite often, and especially in, in working with lots of corporates, you know, they talk about, you know, they get you to come in and they say, you know, this person has got bad behavior and we need to change this behavior. And, you know, if we're looking at the whole uh, mindset and our behaviors, it's, you know, 95% of our behaviors is actually not who we are. They're learned behaviors. We are a by byproduct of our past experience. Um, parenting, programming, environment, other people's fears, limiting beliefs, decisions, you name it. And quite often these behaviours have no purpose and they actually sabotage the things that we want. So as long as we understand the behaviour is not the person, we can work with that. The behaviour is the meaning they give have given a situation. So, for example, if I have a look at the difference between attitude and behavior, the attitude is the way that we think and the behavior. So once we, we think a certain way, I'll, I'll go through the whole process to maybe help understand it. If we have an, an event happen in our environment, we think of it a certain way or we might see it a certain way, and what happens, we create this what I call, we call an internal representation, so a picture of that event. And in that, what happens then, we create a state, which is our emotions, a feeling. And this plays out in our physiology, which is our behavior. So a lot of the times, if we want to reverse engineer our behavior, it's about going back and understanding what is this person thinking about this environment or this event or this person to change the thinking and therefore change the way they see it, change the way they feel about it, and the behaviors will be completely different. So the behavior is the meaning of the communication or situation at hand. And we can change that by being more conscious. And it takes 21 days. I mean, now there's, you know, neuroscience says it takes 21 days to create new neural pathways. And we can actually, and neuroplasticity is change our brain. So if we say just for the next 21 days, I'm going to be conscious of my thoughts, we can change our behavior. And uh, for listeners who are curious about kind of the digging in more to the science of neuroplasticity, 
Uh, we previously had Dr. Rick Hansen on here as the author of a number of books about that, but specifically kind of digs in really to the meat about applying that to sort of happiness and productivity and everything else. So that's a great episode to check out uh, if you want to dig in more to that science. But Catherine, for the people who are listening here, is there one piece of homework or something simple that you would ask them to do? I think that, you know, you know, I always say that we can reinvent ourselves and that's the exciting part. It's like, well, what, what do you want to create for yourself? Because life isn't about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself. So I think that piece is a big piece. Just, you know, I think, and it doesn't mean like, you know, it doesn't have to be reinvent the whole self. It could be tweaking. But I think to be more conscious is the thing because if we're looking at, and you hear about it all the time, that we only use 10% of our brain. Well, neuroscience since says now it's actually 5% of our conscious brain, which means that 95% are learned behaviors, um, uh, you know, past parenting program, all of those things that some way, shape or form stop us doing those very things that we want. So when we talk about, you know, even like unconscious bias, you know, the things that we really want and desire, are they the things that we need? Are they the things that really are going to line up with where we want to go? When we're talking about that 5%, that conscious mind, when we want to manifest and create new things, we need to start really stop to think what we're thinking about. You think about it. How often do we do it? Never. Well, I'm not saying never, but it's a practice. It's a, it, You have to practice it. Even five minutes a day, just sit there with your thoughts. You know, what was I thinking today? What was I feeling like today? I think cultivating that awareness is is such an important step. Absolutely. I believe that too. Um, so for somebody who wants to kind of dig in, do some more research about some of the things we've talked about today, what would you recommend as other books or resources for them to check out? Oh, Jesus, so many books. Uh, I love uh, The Biology of Belief with Dr. Bruce Lipton. I love also Joe, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Uh, he talks about how you can change your brain. Oh, there's so many great authors, but they're the two that come to mind. Awesome. Well, we'll, uh, we'll put links to both of those books in the show notes. Um, and Catherine, where can people find you online? Sure. So they can find me under uh, catherineplano.com. Uh, so it's uh, C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E-P-L-A-N-O.com. And, you know, you can have a look at that or I Am Woman Project is um, the project that I work on. And uh, we've also just launched uh, Rise and Thrive, which is all our online. So basically, as I was saying, I've, be, I've become more savvy as working smarter is putting things online. So um, I have this mission on helping as many people as I can to empower themselves and the planet. Uh, and so I've put all my work online, which is a 12-week course online course for 19.95 a week which when you think about it i don't know what it's like in in your side of the world but in australia they charge anything from three to five hundred dollars an hour for coaching and not everyone's got that kind of money so um i've put these line programs online for teenagers and um and leaders as well to uh, work through some of the stuff that we've been talking about Great. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for uh, for being a guest on the show. I know the listeners are uh, going to get a lot out of this interview. Thank you so much, Matt, for having me. It's been an uh, amazing time. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to The Science of Success. Listeners like you are why we do this podcast. The emails and stories we receive from listeners around the globe bring us joy and fuel our mission to unleash human potential. I would love to hear from you. 
I respond and read every email that I get from listeners. You can email me at matt, that's M-A-T-T, at scienceofsuccess.co. That's M-A-T-T at scienceofsuccess.co. I'd love to hear from you. Remember, the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to a friend, either live or online. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us an awesome review and subscribe on iTunes. That helps more and more people discover the science of success. Lastly, as a thank you to you for being awesome, I'm giving away a $100 Amazon gift card to one lucky listener. All you have to do to be entered to win is to text the word SMARTER, that's S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222. Again, that's text SMARTER to 44222. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Science of Success.